Hey, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm Lisa Woolfork, your host, coming to you from Charlottesville, Virginia. I am a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to today's conversation. Welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about pressing matters. And by pressing, I mean, how do we use the iron that we keep in our sewing room? The conversation will be divided into general and specific. So for the first part of the conversation today, I want to talk about general things, just cover some basics, particularly the difference between ironing and pressing. And then after the break, talk a little bit about something specific. And today's specific conversation you are going to want to hear because I'm going to answer that eternal question, how to get the paper pattern back in the envelope. So let's start with the the general definitions, ironing versus pressing. We are using an iron, of course, to work on our sewing projects. I think it's always important to have an iron nearby. I have lots of different types of irons and I can get into that for a different conversation. But just suffice it to say that ironing and pressing are two different things. Ironing is what you do after the garment is finished or your project is finished. Pressing is what you do to help craft the integrity of your project as you are going along. So if you think about it this way, pressing is a construction step and ironing is a maintenance step. So you make a blouse, you press as you go along, you press the seams, you press all these things. And then after you made the blouse and you wash it or you send it to the cleaners, the cleaners will press it or will iron it or you will iron it after you pull it out of the dryer. I tend to think about ironing as a maintenance step, not necessarily a construction step. One Another way to think about it or that I think about it is when I'm pressing, I'm taking the iron and I'm pressing down. The motion that I am using as I'm constructing is one of pressing down. Ironing is moving back and forth. I see that much more as a dynamic type of gesture. Um, you know, I'm moving the uh, the iron around to cover a lot of surfaces, but you don't really do that when you are sewing. Like if you are pressing a seam open, for example, you're not necessarily sliding the iron back and forth. You're pressing it down, lifting it up and moving to another spot and then pressing it down again. So if you think about pressing as pressing, and ironing as this gesture, almost like, um, I'm not sure like how to describe ironing, basically moving your hand from left to right, from back to forth, or in circles, depending on how much fabric you're trying to straighten out. They both achieve the same, they both achieve the same result, where you have something that's um, flat, that's a little bit warm. However, 
pressing is a better way to think about what you should be doing when you are constructing your garments. Um, For me, I love pressing, but I hate ironing. And I think that's because I love to sew and I love the process of construction, but I don't love really the um, what happens afterwards, like laundry. Like I love to sew, but I don't love laundry. And laundry is eventually what you get if you make a lot of clothes. You're going to have to iron them at some point, except that I'm terrible at that. My sisters are really great. They We all have boys. And they would iron their kids' clothes, like before school or before preschool, even when they were like toddlers. And I was like, ugh, I'm just going to have the wrinkly kids in the class because I'm not ironing clothes for a two-year-old or a four-year-old, or a 15-year-old. Though I do on it, I do iron a little bit for my teenage son if, you know, I happen to be down there and the iron is on and I have a few minutes. I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll iron these pants. But that doesn't happen that often. And I'm usually not that, that bored that I would do that. Um, but ironing is, it is a necessary maintenance step. Um, even if it's not one that I particularly love, but pressing is an absolute, I think, mandatory step for sewing. And I know sometimes it can be really um, time consuming and it seems to slow down the process. But in the end, it's ultimately worth it. You'll get better results. I remember a recent conversation on Instagram and someone was asking, should I press this collar seam before I understitch it. And in all honesty, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. However, the way that understitching works is that it's supposed to help keep the flap, um, keep that seam nice and flat. And so that when you turn it over, it looks really crisp. And if you're going to go through the trouble of making a shirt or making a garment that's going to fit a certain way around the neck, why not take a step and just get up or roll to wherever you have your ironing board? I have one set up next to my sewing machine and I have one, a larger one set up a little bit across the room and just take your ham and press your seam over there before you do the understitching. And it makes the understitching that much easier to manage. So um, I think that that's just wanted to, to emphasize that pressing and ironing are different and pressing will really help create the make your sewing life easier and make the results in the end that much better. Now that we've talked about the difference between pressing and ironing, let's talk about a few tools that will help make your pressing that much easier and more effective and sometimes a bit more efficient. The first thing I wanted to mention is a pressing cloth. A pressing cloth is a piece of fabric or other material that will go between your garment, your project, and your iron. I have several different pressing cloths. The one I use, I'll tell you about the, the first one. The first one is a Teflon pressing cloth. This is if you do a lot of work with adhesives like Wonder Under and, um, Steam a seam, steam a seam light, steam a seam two, these fusible webs. 
that are very popular. Um, I really enjoy using the ThermoWebs, especially Wonder Under. I used I used to use a lot of Wonder Under, and even now that I'm using less Wonder Under because I'm using less, um, I'm doing less crafty type sewing these days. I still use fusible tapes to stabilize my seam allowances. And um, in advance, there's this wonderful tape that I like from like So Keys E. And it is a fusible lightweight that you can put in your seams before you sew them. And it really does. It really does help them. And so you still would like a Teflon cloth is good because any of the fusibles that get ironed on um, to your that that spill over onto either the ironing board or onto the iron, um, you can avoid that by having a Teflon press cloth. If you are in a pinch and you don't have a Teflon cloth, you can use parchment paper. Um, Parchment paper is something you can buy at the grocery store. It is not, I repeat, it is not waxed paper. It is parchment paper. It is the kind of paper you can use for when you're baking cookies. Um, I buy it in bulk at Costco. I get a really big roll, and I have it set up next to my heat press, actually. But it really does... um, deflect from a lot of the problems that could happen with adhesives being stuck to your iron. Another thing I wanted to mention is uh, the different kind of, oh, so that that first thing was the Teflon press cloth, but the, and there's another press cloth that I just got and that's supposed to be, it has some kind of chemical or something like that in it that prevents it from, um, that, that keeps it from, I don't know, doing something. I haven't tried it yet. So um, I'm not recommending it or not recommending it, but I did buy it to try. But it's supposed to set the pleats and creases and stuff in collars better. I don't know how it's going to be different than a um, regular press cloth with stuff that I use all the time, except that I was filling up a shopping cart and I was like, well, this is only like $3. So let me just put it in here. So that's why I got it. Um... And then finally, the one I use the most is a pressing cloth that I got when my um, now college age student was a baby and I was taking a sewing class and I didn't have a press cloth and the teacher gave this to me. It was an old, um, not diaper, or maybe it was like a a kind of a, a diaper. It was really, really thin. It looks more like a handkerchief. And I guess you were meant to fold them up in such a way that it would go into a diaper or something. I don't know how it worked, but I've always had very warm feelings about that. And I have kept it for more than 20 years. Um, and I use it all the time. It's ragged around the edges and, but it really is quite perfect. So it has like a sentimental value for me, but I use it, um, quite often. And if it gets dirty, you could always just wash it. And speaking of your, uh, press cloth being dirty, Um, I could talk a little bit about how to clean your iron. Now, if you have a good press cloth, especially a Teflon one, or you use parchment paper, your iron won't get stuff on it. That's the, that's the best method I'm sure of keeping your iron clean um, or cleaning your iron is to make sure it doesn't get covered in adhesive in the first place. Um, But one way that I, there's two things that I use to make sure to clean my iron. And the first is a, um, 
used dryer sheet. So this is this is important. Dryer sheets have been talked a lot. I've heard a lot of people talk about dryer sheets and recommending them. And it's like, I tried that dryer sheet and it stuck to my iron. And I'm like, not a brand new dryer sheet. It can't be a brand new dryer sheet straight out of the box because that has all that stuff on it. Like whatever they put on it to keep your clothes from clinging to each other, that's in that sheet. So of course, if you put a hot iron on it, it's going to make a mess. No, when I recommend a dryer sheet to clean off um, an iron, I mean a used one, which is kind of nice because, you know, it helps to give it a little bit more life before you throw it in the trash. So I'll take the dryer sheet, the used one out of the dryer. I have a little jar where I stuff used dryer sheets, all of which is just making my family think that I am a um, super hoarder who keeps things that should be thrown away. However, the used dryer sheets are really good for cleaning the iron. And all you do is just iron on them. And so if you have a little bit of light residue, it'll come off. And then you can throw the dryer sheet away and your family won't think that you are losing your marbles. Um, The next thing that I use the most often, of course, is a hot iron cleaner. And you can see this in the notions wall of um, fabric stores. And it looks like toothpaste, but it is not toothpaste. Please don't put it on your toothbrush. Uh, You basically take a thick cloth. I have like old towels. I'll put some on the old towel and, uh, and then just wipe it along the hot iron. It'll sizzle. um, And, but as you scrub it, it'll come off and it'll help restore your iron to its best health. Now we'll be talking more about pressing matters as the podcast continues. But today I just wanted to cover these basics about um, the difference between ironing and pressing, using a press cloth and cleaning your iron in case of emergency or accumulated mess. When we come back, we'll talk about how we can use our irons to answer that eternal question, how to get that pattern back in that envelope. Stay tuned. Stitch Please, the Black Women's Stitch podcast, talks a lot about sewing. But if you'd like to see some of what we're discussing, we invite you to follow us on the socials. On Facebook, you can find us at Stitch Please. And on Instagram, you can find us at Black Women's Stitch. On Instagram, you'll find a lot of great pictures and compelling social commentary. In addition, you can participate in a weekly live Instagram chat at 3 p.m., on Thursdays at Eastern Standard Time. So follow us on the socials, Facebook at Stitch Please and Instagram at Black Women Stitch and get your stitch together. Hey, Stitches. This is the tea you've been waiting for. I'm going to talk about how ironing and pressing can help answer that age-old question, how to get that pattern back in the envelope. The first thing I want to remind everyone of is that I think it's really important to iron your patterns. Yes, iron them, not press them. This is important because, you know, if you're, and this is specifically about the big four patterns, tissue paper patterns. I will talk in a little bit about what I do with the PDF patterns that I get printed in wide format. But since many people work with big four patterns and the big four, I mean, McCall's, Butterick, Vogue, and Simplicity, because they are readily available to many people, at least in the U.S., and particularly at places like Joanne and Walmart, they can be low cost when they're on sale. So 
many people have experience with those. So when you take that pattern out of the envelope, it is essential, in my opinion, to iron it. So my procedure is to get the pattern, pull it out of the envelope, unfold it. It looks like, you know, a map with all the, remember the maps? I'm like, I'm talking like maps are extinct. They kind of are. But um, when I was a girl, um, we would go to um, AAA and we still do this, go to AAA and get a trip tick and we get a map of the area and you keep the map in your glove box and um, of your car and you open your glove, if you got lost, you open the map and you look to see where you were versus where you were in relation to this this map, this sheet of paper. Of course, this is completely obsolete um, technology now, um, since many people use mobile phones and they have GPS in them. And, but it's still, I would just say pro tip, it is pretty good to have a map in your car if you're going somewhere that's not going to have Wi-Fi, and um, or you not you don't know if your if your wireless or cellular service will work. And so it's nice to just have some idea of where you are. So we've started carrying maps in um, our cars. But back to the topic at hand, when you pull that pattern out of the envelope, it's going to be folded like a map. There'll be rectangular indentations that even as you open the the sheet of the sheets of paper, you can still see those indentations. And I, so my procedure is to pull the pattern out of the envelope, separate the sheets, make a, I'd make a list um, of what I need to cut, what the pieces are that I need to cut. And then I go about cutting them. So I'll take a, I'll, you know, cut my bigger pieces, you know, the skirt, the bodice, all of those pieces, I'll stack them together. And then I'm stuck with two piles, one pile that of pieces of a garment that I'm going to make. And then because many of those big four patterns have multiple views in one pattern, which is great because it gives you lots of options for adaptations and hacking and alterations, as well as you can get. Um, many different garments out of just one envelope, but I'm not going to make them all at the same time. So I pick a pattern because I want to do view C or view D with view B sleeves or whatever. So I'm only going to get the patterns that I need. So what do I do with those two piles? One pile of a pattern piece or pattern pieces, excuse me, for the garment that I'm going to make. And then one that I'm not going to make right now, I'll make it later. So what I do is this. I set aside all of the pieces that I'm going to not use and I put them aside completely. Then I take the pieces that I'm going to use, I lay them on the ironing board one at a time and I iron them. Now I don't press them, I iron them. I use a warm iron, sometimes a hot iron, depending on what I'm doing. And I run that iron along the pattern. This is why this is important. When you go to put your pattern down on your fabric, and if you haven't ironed it, you will notice that those same creases and ridges that were in the pattern originally are still there. So the first benefit of ironing your pattern is to get those ridges out. So think the paper is smooth. The second benefit is that ironing your pattern creates a small static charge, 
of small static electricity, really small, nothing that's going to shock you or make the hair on your arm stand up or anything like that. But it does create a little bit of residual static cling. And that is useful because it helps to it helps your pattern to adhere to the fabric. Now, of course, um, ideally you are ironing your fabric, not pressing your fabric. You are ironing your fabric before you start making whatever you're going to make. Um, and so that ironed fabric with that ironed tissue paper pattern is a really good, it's a really good combination. I'm not saying that this prevents you from having to pin. Well, I never pin. I do not pin. I don't pin anything. Well, I pin darts. Um, but I tend to clip, use wonder clips from my seams. So that'll be a different podcast for another day. But I'm not saying this is going to prevent you from having to pin your pattern to your fabric if that's what you choose to do. I use pattern weights. Um, and if you follow um, Black Women's Stitch on Instagram, you'll know that I use um, pattern weights made by Bianca of Thanks I Made Them. She lives in Texas and she does a lot of sewing organizing stuff there and makes these delightful pattern weights. So that's what I use. And the reason I love pattern weights is that it keeps you from having to pin things, obviously, because pinning is for the birds. Um, Except in rare cases. The great, yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to talk about why I love pattern weights. That'll be for another topic. I mean, honestly, we just can't be here all day. I'm sure you all have other things to do. Um, But the static cling from ironing the pattern paper to the fabric is pretty important just to kind of establish a small, small bond. Then you put your pins in. If you're a pinner, you use your pattern weights. If you're a pattern weight user and then you can cut and it's, you know, it's quite, you know, useful. Then after I've done all my, well, before I mentioned, before I go with that, I wanted to mention, if you do alterations, if you do a full bust adjustment, if you mark darts on a pattern that you know you're going to use more than once, which is I, I do those, I do both of those things. I would highly recommend you investing in some heat resistant tape. Um, so what I do is if I'm marking darts on a paper, a tissue paper pattern, I'll take um, a couple of strips of heat tape or heat resistant tape and put it over those dart lines. Then when I draw my wheel out for to to, um, to trace the darts, I trace my darts with um, Sorol paper and a perforated or solid tracing wheel. It, it'll, it will perforate the pattern, of course, but it's not going to damage it so much that it falls apart. It does give it some stability. And because I believe in ironing my patterns, I'm able to use the patterns again and again. And that um, iron-on tape or the heat-resistant tape makes that really very useful. Um, because other, before, before I discovered heat tape, and I didn't discover heat tape until I started doing... Um, using my heat press for sublimation and um, heat transfer vinyl work with my Silhouette Cameo. Um, so I just started, not just started using that. I mean, that was maybe five years ago or whatever, six years ago. But heat tape was something that I did, that, that I brought into my sewing recently. Um, and I've been really glad for it. So I'd say use heat tape as an option if you know you're going to be cutting open your Um, bodice pieces for a full bust adjustment and other things. And you'll still be able to use this technique I'm going to describe for putting the pattern back in the envelope, as well as keeping it neat 
and um, helping it cling to the the fabric before you start sewing, before you start cutting. So the next thing that the iron is good for, you know, you've pressed your pattern. It's all nice. You've cut it out. Um, everything is ready to go. You're ready to put that pattern back in the envelope. And here's the answer to that eternal question. How do you get that pattern back in the envelope? You press it. That's it. That's the tweet. You press it. You take your iron and you fold. I, I make several folds, like I'll fold it horizontally so that it matches the width of the envelope. And then I'll fold it vertically and so that it matches the the length of the envelope. So that basically everything that I'm folding, I'm trying to get it back into that envelope shape, which is approximately six inches by nine inches. So as I'm folding the pattern, I make sure that when I'm measuring, when I have a really long skinny piece of like pile of paper, I make sure that it's no wider than six inches, maybe five and a half even. And then I'll fold those sides down. Then I fold the sides in. I take this, so I take the whole stack Fold one side, press, fold the other side, press. And then I have this long, skinny, six inch or five and a half inch long stack of pattern pages. Then I fold them in a couple times until they measure about maybe eight and a half inches. And then I slide it back in the envelope. And that's it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And then for the other pieces that I didn't use, I do the exact same thing. So what I like to do is I have my patterns inside the envelope divided into two um, sections, one for stuff that I've made and one for stuff that I'm going to make later. So that way, when I want to make the pattern again, it's easy enough just to get just to kind of pull out that pattern piece, um, that pattern section, and I'm ready to go. One last thing I wanted to add about the PDF patterns, I've been printing my PDF patterns. And I will definitely have an episode about this in the future talking about PDF patterns. Um, but I've been printing them off um, at a site called PDF Plotter. And it's great because the, the patterns come quickly. And I simply cannot take patterns like the way my patience and life is set up is I cannot do that. And taping patterns slowly erodes my will to live. So I cannot tape. I mean, if I had to tape, I would not ever make one. Now, rare exceptions to this are making bras and underpants. Um, the panty patterns tend to not be for me, maybe more than six to eight pages, depending, but uh, and the bras too, you know, but no way would I make like a dress that I had to tape. I saw someone, they were taping a dress pattern that had like 84 pieces in it. And I was like, I don't think I could even send 84 pages of paper that I knew I would have to touch again later to tape together to a printer that I owned. Like, I, I think my printer would just be like, Burr! no, sorry, Lisa, we can't, we can't print that. What's wrong with you? So what I want to talk about just briefly before we uh, wrap up for today is how to get that PDF pattern. And I want to, there's some really good pictures on the Instagram page of how I took this huge pile of four sheets of blueprint paper and got all of it folded down to fit into a six by nine envelope. I'm working on the Lennox dress by Cashmerette. And you'll see in my, um, in the black women's stitch page that this one has, I've made a sticker for my um, custom envelope that has a picture of seems like Sierra 
And um, she's a wonderful Instagrammer, influencer, sewist, and member of Black Women's Stitch. And she's on the cover of that cashmere pattern. And so I'm making it. And it's a lot of pattern pieces because there's a lot of different versions, short sleeve, long sleeve, full bicep. And I really love Cashmerette's basic block. And I love how size inclusive it is. Um, and so I'm making it. And so um, what I did this time was in addition to using my the, te- the same technique that I use for my ironing technique, where I iron the pattern pieces for the big four patterns. This time I used my heat press to get the same result. And y'all, it worked awesomely. It worked so good. And um, so basically I did the same idea. I fo- I took all those pieces. I took the big pieces on the bottom and the small strappy curvy pieces, the small ones on top. I folded it into a long, long piece of about five and a half inches across. And then I took it to my heat press and I pressed it several times, several different stages. And so I was able to create this really nice tight pattern, um, which is a stack of a lot of pieces. I'm guessing maybe 20, 22 pieces, 25 pieces total, I think, of a variety of sizes and got them all to go back into the six by nine envelope. So I was feeling quite good about that. So if you have a heat press or if you have something that is wide, I think that they also make, I know that my mom has a jeans press. Another woman, uh, another member of Black Women's Stitch has one of those presses that you can kind of put down and press like long jeans, legs and um, curtains and stuff that could work too. But I was really happy with how that turned out. And I had not done that before. I had not used my heat press to press patterns back into envelopes. But now that I've done that, I will be doing that again soon. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of Stitch Please, the Black Women Stitch podcast. You can support the project in a lot of ways. One of them is at our Patreon site under Black Women Stitch. Another way is to tell friends about the podcast. Another way is to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, You can email us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Happy stitching. Come back and we'll help you get your stitch together.